0: Welcome to episode nine of Theologize. Um, yeah, nine episodes in. I heard that there was burnout usually about seven. Maybe I took like two months off, so it kind of. <laughs> but uh, today we have someone that is, um, I think, going to be very beneficial for the podcast and just for people to listen to in, in general. Um, she has a lot to bring to the table, uh, so I want to introduce Ann Johnson. Ann, um, go ahead and introduce yourself. I like to paint a picture of for those that are just listening um of you know who people are and their story and their background so if you want to share a little bit of that and uh how you got started in ministry and even came to know christ
1: okay um hi everyone my name is on johnson i always get really uncomfortable doing intros because i just never know what i'm supposed to say about myself and i think our culture um, encourages us not to speak about ourselves like you know like because it's like am i too braggy i don't know Um, so let me tell you the most important things, uh, or facts about who I am. I have, I'm celebrating 10 years of my wedding anniversary, uh, this May, which I'm super psyched about. I come from a background of divorce, adultery and, uh, just financial issues. And so the fact that my husband and I are going on to seven or sorry, 10 years, I always forget, um, is a really big deal for me and the legacy that i want to build and instill into my future uh we have two tiny typhoons they are seven and eight and they are 13 months apart so they're they're that's the reason we only have two um so so and they're two girls yeah like they're super (laughs) close um i have the incredible privilege of being a pastor but i'm also co-vocational which essentially means I have chosen to not only be a pastor, but to work in what the Christian world would call the marketplace. So a non-church role. So I get to work at a tech company and that's how I know David. Um, I've been an ordained pastor, let's just go for years now, because I don't remember the exact number of years. Um, I got radically saved when I was in college at a secular university and after Like encountering Jesus in this life changing way, I felt like my next step. You know, I was crying on the floor of my dorm room at UW because I didn't know how I was going to pay for college. I didn't know what the next role, like the next season. I was essentially feeling everything that a college student feels in their first year of college. Like, what is the meaning of life? And I remember I was sobbing on the floor of um, the dorm room and I felt like that was such a tangible space where I encountered the Lord um, because I, without a shadow of a doubt, I felt like the Lord called me to leave U-Dub and to go to um, Northwest University, which is an Assemblies of God College uh, on the east side in Washington. And well, that's a big change. Yeah. yeah, so I went from sobbing hysterically in my dorm room, which always had two to four people in it. And for that one moment, I was solely by myself in um, my dorm room. I went from sobbing incontrollably to this immense peace that I couldn't even like describe. So I got up, I applied for Northwest University, and I started my withdrawal process from UW and when you leave UW to go to any college, but probably like an unknown Christian college, they give you something called an exit interview where you meet with a counselor and you do some career like assessment test and stuff like that. And the guy was like, why are you leaving UW? (laughs) And like this world renowned university um, to go here. And I just said, I became a Christian and I feel like God told me I needed to leave you, dub and to go to this place, and I think I'm supposed to be a pastor, I don't know, but I just need to leave, I need to go, and so he gave me, and keep in mind, this is like a secular university, he gave me all these career tests that I needed to take, and then he would review the results with me, and the number one vocation that came back for me from all these tests was a shepherd pastor. At a secular wow. university I was taking these tests and I mean I wasn't raised in the church. I didn't know all this language. I just answered the question based on the things that I was so passionate about and so um, Yeah, I left UW, went to Northwest University, graduated with a Biblical Literature degree because I felt like if I specialized in a ministry degree, I would miss out on the chance of studying scripture and sitting under some of the brightest minds in theology, Um, you know, while I was in college. And plus ministry, the tactical stuff, you can learn that as you go. But what, am, what what other opportunities will I really get a chance to sit under a um, professor who is like renowned on studying the book of Matthew? Like of all the things he is, he is the guy for Matthew. And so, you know, I graduated college from Northwest University, um, immediately got hired to be a youth pastor um, at a church in Mount Lake Terrace and then continued in ministry. So I've actually served in every, almost every role in ministry except uh men's director and worship pastor so both of those things make sense
0: (laughs) yeah i want to touch on um the youth pastor thing because i didn't know that but before that uh because i think it would be very helpful to a lot of people especially a lot of people who have just come to know christ Mm because there's this like awkward part of okay i'm saved now what do i do yeah. And for you, you seem to have found your calling based on God leading you through the exit process at UW, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, how would you encourage someone who might be in this position, maybe listening to this podcast, and yeah. they don't really know the next steps or what God's really calling them to? How do they hear God moving them in that?
1: Oh, man, that could be, like, a series of um podcast recordings. Like, how do you hear God and how do you obey Um, I I think I should mention, um, you know, as a woman in ministry, I didn't grow up in the church and I didn't, I wasn't raised with a theological foundation. And so it wasn't until college that I really heard and experienced the power that is Jesus. And, oh, I might cry. But I remember this experience I had with my best friend because I started getting all these visions and, you know, in The Christian community we can say vision and for us we understand what that means but for somebody maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're like that sounds creepy does it sound does it seem like I'm passing out and I start seeing things like I'm tripping on LSD like what does that actually mean and um, when I say I started getting visions um, you know I started dreaming and seeing myself when I like would just like be walking or something like that. Seeing myself preaching to a crowd of people. And here's the thing. I didn't know what that looked like. I just saw myself on stage. And what I knew in those images was that I was preaching the gospel. And that was it. And I remember telling my best friend um, that I was getting these images. I didn't know what they meant. And he calmly and sweetly told me that um, women can't preach women wow. cannot be pastors I heard God wrong and he'll get his wife on the phone so she can confirm to me from I suppose the female perspective that I missed the mark on that and I would say that was a, like a pretty discouraging like I started sobbing because I was like of how does that make sense you know because I was a new Christian I started seeing these things I started feeling this intense desire to tell everyone about Jesus because Jesus so radically changed my life. I needed to go and tell, I needed to participate in this thing that I would now recognize as kingdom work. Um, and I sobbed and I just remember saying to them, like, if God is father and we are his children and this gospel thing is the work, Why wouldn't he want all of his children to participate in this work if it's so important? If it is critical in the scheme of eternity, why wouldn't you mobilize the entire freaking team? You know, like, why wouldn't you do that? And so if you are a new believer and um, you have recently discovered who Jesus is and what he did for you on the cross and you are thinking, I need to have it figured out, you don't need to have everything figured out the most what i would encourage you to do is wake up at another day and say okay god how do i love you today and how do i love every single person you put in front of me today is that the church culture has made it exceptionally difficult and hyper spiritualized into what it looks like to follow jesus and it's not. You wake up and you say, "God, how do I love you and how do I love every person today?" And the reality is God will show you and over time as you mature as a Christian, you would begin to see in yourself certain um certain desires or certain giftings that kind of come to the forefront. And so for you, you might recognize that every time there's an opportunity to organize a camp or organize a ministry or do a fundraiser, you are the thing that gives you joy in participation is like making Excel spreadsheets and making sure that the logistics are taken care of for this. Like you might have the gift of administration and can I just tell you, bless you if you do, because that crap is hard. That is not my gifting, (laughs) right? Like that is so hard. So, you know, whatever you begin over time to see just gives you this overwhelming joy in participation. Go and do more of that. Um, Because I think in evangelical culture, we very much idolize the person with the microphone on the pulpit. Yeah, um definitely. and i just to- i totally think that's trash like that is a very undeveloped culture and understanding of how the body of christ should work together
0: and oh, i could wow. talk
1: a long time about this david
0: <laughs> no i i love it and actually so i wanted to because i you know i have grown up in circles um conservative circles that would tell you the same thing that women should not be speaking but, mm-hmm. you know, I've grown up in uh, – the way around it is uh, they testify. They testify. It's like this mm-hmm. justified word where, oh, they're they're not preaching, they're not teaching, they're testifying. But I was actually, in preparation for this, I was like, you know, I want to get some scripture confirmation to go with this. And if you mm-hmm. look at just um, Priscilla and Aquila, yeah. like, they were co-founders of a home church. And Priscilla was, you know, a talented teacher, Paul, with, because they recommended – Apollos to Paul, and Paul, like, eventually took him as a co-worker. They were the ones that trained him. So mm-hmm. I just want to give, like, scriptural confirmation in women being teachers and leaders in church as well with this. Um, and I want to talk about that because that was so imprinted upon you. Um, mm-hmm. And I know so many women, um, because I youth pastored for seven years too, mm-hmm. and and I always thought, I was like, I want to give these these women opportunities to speak because mm-hmm. they, they see... You know, it's like God has given both man and woman feelings, thoughts that both symbolize him and his characteristics. Some that man cannot see, that women can. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to bring to the pulpit at times and to teach and for women in the congregation to hear a woman's teaching perspective. So I would love to just hear kind of how you overcame that and an encouragement for girls that are... Wanting to be speakers and you know mm-hmm. small group leaders and wanting to be um, a pastor somewhere or a deaconess or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. Oh man, that is loaded. Um, I would say how I. I know. I'm dropping I you ca- a ton
0: of loaded questions. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. You need to prepare minutes, me with
1: these loaded questions.
0: <laughs> Thirty minutes to fit all of these like deep life questions. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um. I would, from my personal experience, the reason why I was able to overcome that was I I, I come from a background, and this is another time for another conversation, but I come from a background where I was neglected and abused as a child and with the help of counseling I was able to recognize that that was what was happening in my life. Um, but what that built in me those experiences built in me was a scrappy like survival and a grit and so when somebody said you heard god wrong my innate like my experience was i'm gonna flush this out like i know like what i was the images were so vivid the I, the intense emotion like it felt like i was transported into that image and the passion and the fire to tell people about Jesus. Like it's so the reality of those visions so deeply embedded itself into every part of my being that when somebody said you can't do that because you're a woman, it actually deeply conflicted with what the Holy Spirit was doing in me. And so I'm glad I didn't listen. And don't get me wrong, along the way, I've had many men and women tell me that I can't be a pastor. And I just realized I'm not trying to evangelize to you. I'm not trying to tell you the gospel. For every person out there who struggles with understanding a man's authority because maybe they have been abused, maybe they have endured hardship under the hands and leadership of a man, I can step in as a woman and say, let me tell you about a God as Father who loves you and cares for you despite what you might have experienced. This is who God is. And so that grit in me forced me to keep going because I had to know who my God is. And so if if you were a young woman and you have been getting visions and you feel so passionate about going and preaching the gospel, If I can just encourage you that the only person you will stand in front of when you die is God and he is your judge. I really want to say in the character that we see of who God is throughout the biblical narrative, is God going to be. Hey, Ashley, I'm really upset that you lived your entire life preaching the gospel to every freaking person who will listen because you're a girl and girls can't be pastors. That sounds like a petty man-made put God in a box idea. We people are dying without knowing Jesus. And we don't have the luxury to continue to be gatekeepers of the gospel and gatekeepers of the church. Every single Christian is mandated to go and preach the gospel. And sometimes God will place you in a coffee shop to preach the gospel. Sometimes he will place you on the pulpit. Sometimes he will place you in a podcast. Sometimes he will place you in the hospital and all these things to preach the gospel. Because that is what Christians need to be doing. And so if someone's going to tell you, you can't preach and here's all the scriptures that will verify why you can't preach, because reality, if we look at the entire Bible, we, we use the Bible to justify a lot of things. There will be people who use the Bible to justify why you as a woman cannot be a preacher and there's scripture that verifies why you as a woman can. And I understand that. And I know it's discouraging and I know it's hard, but I would just encourage you to dig deep. To seek the Lord and to go do the work because I don't know about you people who pray that um, the rapture happens I don't want it to happen yet there's too many people I know who don't love Jesus and there's too many people I know who haven't heard the gospel but I've heard their story and I know that I will more likely be effective in living out the gospel with them to them alongside them than a man And I think that's the beauty of why God created man and woman. That is the beauty of why we should all participate side by side is because we recognize in a broken world, we need as many mature Christians or not even mature. We just need as many people who have encountered the living God to go into the dying world and to live out this thing that we have committed our eternity to. Yeah. I am heated up about this, so I I... hope people are going to listen. And our daughters, David, will see a different future, you know, Mm -hmm. see a different church where people are not relegated to specific ministries because of their gender, but they are encouraged to continue to seek the Lord and experience trial and error. And to figure out what their spiritual giftings are in all different
0: places, you know.
1: I'm heated about it.
0: No, I think that's awesome. In fact, like you said, I yeah, you have two daughters, and I I have two daughters. Mine um, are four now and a year old, and yeah. they, you know, I I grew up with only a brother, but now seeing my daughters, I want to. Um, you were talking about how uh, a lot of women will see. Um, You know, They have a skewed view of man's authority. Mm -hmm. And if you look at God's authority, it's as a father who is leading into bringing out the best in you, yourself, Mm -hmm. as you were created to be. And so with your daughters and women um, in general, like with my daughters, I want to see them be the best version of who God created them to be, the fullness of their potential. You know, when Christ says that you will have life and life abundant, I want to see that abundant life in them. Yeah. And I love what you're talking about with um, the gospel and being a gatekeeper because it's true. So many people, you're like, if you have the information to unlock the key that is the purpose of life and and you hold this key for people that are in chains and shackles and have no freedom and are suppressed yeah. in depression, anxiety, fear, and, like, hopelessness, you know, if you have all of this key that is Jesus, why the heck would you be like, I'm just going to leave it for this powerful speaker or yeah. this guy has a better way to deliver the message it's like that's ridiculous like yeah you see who called who christ called like he called what the world would call foolish like non-educated guys random people and mm-hmm. he used them to further his kingdom in the mightiest way possible so i love what you're saying about that if you hold about val- this valuable information doesn't matter if you're a man woman a child you know yeah. old, the young at all like you deliver this and you share that gospel message because it is the only thing that can free people from their current life
1: absolutely and i just feel so strongly even the conversation of whether women can stand on the pulpit and preach like you said they can testify right so like usually in a scenario the male pastor will say she's not preaching she's testifying and there's a part of me i'm like that is 100% more effective than her preaching a scripture because what does it say in Revelations about our testimony? So if she's up there telling a story of what God has done, that is more important than a three-point sermon, like sermon, like, yeah, Outline because it is with our testimony and the blood of the lamb that those are the like Immensely powerful tools that we have to go out there and do the work is the story of who God is to us and I just think like I Don't know I've been in ministry since it feels like since I became a Christian and the conversation about whether or not women can stand on the pulpit inside of a church and preach is just tired like i don't know about you but i am sensing that god is like opening people's minds and challenging people to preach everywhere that we are no longer just gatekeeping the church and the pulpit especially the pulpit but if you don't want me on your pulpit to preach as a woman pastor, that's not going to stop me from living out the gospel to my neighbors, to my, the people in my children's school. That's not going to stop me from preaching in every single arena that I walk in the church in the pulpit is one arena, but I'm going to go preach to the world. Be, and
0: which is the true, that <laughs> being the true church, right? That,
1: exactly. For all of us. So if we continue to idolize this pulpit and this place, of where women can and cannot teach. um, We're just going to go teach everywhere else. (laughs) We are just going to go do the work everywhere else. We're going to go and testify what God has done every single place we go. Right. Instead of just being discouraged because the gatekeepers of the gospel, the gatekeepers of the pulpit, the gatekeepers of the church, has decided women cannot preach or have spiritually a, a spiritual authority over man. But I just look at the entire biblical narrative and I see how God treats women. I see how he redeems and he restores and he brings forth what the world would say. You can't do that. And he's like, let me take this obedient woman and let me use her. You know, you see throughout scripture, like even... Who who are the gutsiest people after Christ's resurrection? It was two women that went to the tomb, knowing that they would be questioned about why they went to the tomb. And strategically, God called those two women to go because it was required in that culture that two women's testimonies would equal one man's testimony. So he, mm-hmm. while all the disciples, all the dudes hid, it was two women that got up and they went to the tomb knowing their life could be in danger because they needed to verify the thing that Jesus said, that the tomb would be empty, right? And so you see, even in that exchange within itself, God is saying these women, while in biblical context, they were viewed as second-class citizens. They were viewed as less than. I'm gonna take them and they will be the first proclaimers of this gospel. Like, he did, David. He no, did uh, uh, passionate.
0: <laughs> no, I I love it because I know that there are women who will listen to this podcast, and they need to hear that. They need to hear that they grew up in a place, and it's so funny. You used the name Ashley earlier. I, I'm gonna laugh if <laughs> there's like there's an Ashley out there. Like, oh gosh, like this is directly <laughs> prophetic for me. I know, um, Ashley,
1: go preach the gospel. <laughs>
0: No, I, I love it, and it doesn't even, like, stop at preaching the gospel. Like, there might be women, um, like, that should be our uh, uh, the ultimate goal is, like, preaching the gospel, but there might be women who are like, should I, should not I not start this blog? Should I or should I not start mm-hmm. this cooking YouTube channel where I can be using that for the glory of God? Like, Absolutely. You know, we're so diverse in our giftings and opportunities these days, especially in the technological age that we live in, Like if God's calling you to do these things, don't hesitate, like go in it prayerfully and be like, God, how can you use this? Like this podcast, I stopped being a youth pastor just to step in and do podcasting. And then opportunities like this happen where you can encourage women and fire them up. And people are listening to this and and not just women, but guys too, who are like, I've been trying to tell my wife, like she has this Mm -hmm. gift, like go get out there and go be on fire for the kingdom. Like you have the potential to do. And it's just a tool like Anyone listening to this has an opportunity for God to use you in mighty ways and be so impactful, even if it's just mm-hmm. one person.
1: Oh, absolutely. I that think the you, reality. you, you know,
0: here's the gospel, right? And they're just radically shifted. One person, that's one person added to the kingdom.
1: Yeah, and I just think that what we see in terms of church trends and everything happening in our world right now, the people I'm trying to preach the gospel to and live out the kingdom with they're not stepping in the church building. They have no desire to go on a Sunday morning to sit in rows with other people they don't know and have awkward conversation because they don't I want call it, to.
0: I call it like anytime you're always like speaking this Christian language that, you know, they ne- no one can ever really understand. Like I try to explain like what identity means to someone outside yeah. the church or like these things we talked about yeah. and it's just like
1: exactly they're true. not going There's
0: a there Christian language
1: so if they're not going there we would be foolish to not go out into the world and with your YouTube channel with your Absolutely. podcast with your Instagram whatever it is we would be foolish to think that we need to wait for people to get inside of four walls on a certain time on a Sunday morning to live out the gospel. And if you are listening and you are wondering if you have impact, absolutely you do. And the reality is like years ago, I had a gal sit on my, um, I remember it so clearly, she came and she sat on my couch and she said, will you mentor me? Will you disciple me? Will you raise me up? Because I feel called to ministry. And both of my kids were really young And I didn't know, like my flesh was like, if I spend time investing in her, like what does it take away from me? And like just all these fleshly like sin nature thoughts. And then she left. So I told her I would pray about it because I would. She left and in this holy moment with the Lord, so clearly he said, you will only reach thousands, but she will reach millions. So will you invest in her? And I immediately repented because I knew why I would say no. But that word from the Lord was why I said, yes, I called her. I asked her to turn back around. And I said, this is the word that I have for you is that you will reach millions. I will only reach a thousand. So if anything I can do for you to go and fulfill that call of God on your life, I will do it. And I think no. we need more mature Christians in the church to get out of the freaking way so that people who feel called, who don't know, can go and do. And it is since that moment and it has been one of the greatest joys of my life to be able to tell people that, Like God has a plan for them, that they are, their life is meaningful, that there is a purpose. And for the women that God has placed in my life to encourage, like I don't feel slighted because I am only reaching thousands and they will reach millions. I just think, holy crap, like I have this immense kingdom opportunity to cheer for someone, pray for someone, um, challenge them, you know, and raise them up to be greater than I ever can. And if that is not kingdom work for generations behind us to build us up to be greater than they ever can, and for us to build up the next generation to be greater than they, like we ever were. Like, I think, look at our daughters. I don't know about you and Luda, but I know for Riley and I, we want our children to be greater than we ever can be. We want, you know, like we want them to achieve for kingdom so much more. So if we look at our children and we feel that intense desire to like lift them up, then kingdom as brothers and sisters, we should feel that same desire to lift up and make the path wider. So that more people don't have to keep hearing that because you're a woman, you can't preach the gospel. The path should be wider. Gatekeepers should stop, and we should be always lifting people up to be better than us.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad I'm glad you're bringing that up because you, you know, we had notes that we were gonna kind of go off, but I love like you can tell that like God <laughs> kind of like has a different plan, obviously. Yeah. The podcast has just been flowing with with things that are so beneficial um but you did mention gatekeeper and mm-hmm. there was a point where you said you had to kind of step out of the way oh yeah of the church that you and riley had um started together is that correct
1: mm-hmm. yeah and, so about two years ago um i planted a church and um my husband is immense like I see the forest and Riley is gifted to see the trees. So I am the visionary and Riley's always the practical like yes we can do that but we need to come up with plans. And I was like I can't be bothered by these things. We just got to see the entire forest. So I planted the church um and about 2 years ago and we finally felt released from the city in which we planted the church. And so it didn't make sense for me to keep leading a church in a community that I wasn't gonna be a part of. And so I prayed about it. The Lord put um, these two people, this married couple on my heart of like, ask them to care for the flock. And so I asked him and too much time would be wasted if I got butt hurt that I wasn't the person gifted to take this church plant to the next level like why would i waste time thinking about that versus thinking about how if i just got out of the way and encouraged them if i stepped off of the path and stood alongside them and cheered for them that is more godly than me standing in the way because of my own pride right mm-hmm. and i mean it is humbling to always realize you might not be the person to hit the finish line in a marathon yeah but it doesn't mean you stop cheering for people running that marathon if this is a re- relay race and it's funny that i'm using all these athletic examples because i am not and i do not <sighs> run but i'm assuming in a relay race different <laughs> people have different parts and you hand this baton over it would be so foolish If you were, you know, you're a part of a relay race and you reach the person who's going to take the baton to go the next distance because your body needs a break or whatever it would be. If you're like hard pass, I'm just going to keep running. Like, Mm -hmm. why would you do that? (laughs) You wouldn't. And I think that's the same for ministry was recognizing that it was time to pass the baton and the godliest thing I could do was simply get out of the way. And that obedience, I believe that it will yield a harvest because I want to build a a church culture that I want my children to inherit. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if it means for them to learn to gracefully get out of the way, then they should be able to see, I saw when my mother did this. I saw when my mother handed over a church with a vision that she birthed and Mm -hmm. cried over and prayed for, but she got out of the way because the Lord released her. Mm -hmm. And now instead of being the leader, she is simply, and also importantly, the cheerleader, the encourager, the prayer warrior, the hype man, you know, like all those parts are important. Yeah. And like the people, she becomes a person that says, keep pressing, keep doing so yeah yeah,
0: i'm uh that was you know it is humbling because i stepped down about a year ago i think it was in january of last year um from youth pastoring for seven years and it was hard because this was like you know it's like this is my baby like i had so many visions so many things i wanted to do like i took them to youth camps like we had awesome awesome breakthrough nights and there's still so much I want to do. But at the same time, I was like, God is kind of saying it's time to go. Mm -hmm. And the hardest thing is, and I think I see this, it's a, it's an epidemic for a lot of pastors. They just don't know when to pass the baton over. And, um, I forget who, I think it was Grant. Grant Fishbrook was saying this Mm -hmm. in one of his sermons. Um, and he was saying that, you know what, if you have this mentality that I'm not going to pass the baton. He was specifically talking about younger people coming up Mm -hmm. with the gift of leadership. And you're not going to pass it on and encourage them and and build them up. Then they're eventually just going to kind of like turn against you and start a, a revolt. Because you've never given them opportunities to step into their giftings. But if you nourish and encourage them, there's going to be such a greater impact that you're going to impart on them like you were saying for thousands when you're only impacting a small region and you don't want to miss out on those opportunities uh, as a, a mentor and a, a wisdom giver.
1: Absolutely. And I, I, I want to, I, I want to even dig a little bit deeper into that analogy of that you don't raise up. If you don't encourage and provide opportunities for younger leaders, they will revolt. I, I want to push against that idea because then it's fear-based why you would do it. You don't want people to revolt against you. So you'll create opportunity. That's not kingdom kingdom is like, I want to continue to invest into a generation and into the future that I'm not doing this because people might revolt against me. I am doing this because this is, what it means to be brothers and sisters this is what it means to be kingdom workers that if we are not providing opportunities and spaces for other people to step in we consolidate influence instead of spreading it out and i think that fear comes from scarcity that there's not enough influence there's not enough there's not enough time. There's not enough pulpits. There's not enough all these things. So if I raise up other people to be better than me, they're going to take away from me. And I feel like that scarcity mindset is very prevalent in the church, which is so interesting because God is not a God of scarcity. He's not a God of um, holding back the amount that we need to survive that it is when we think in scarcity of opportunity and influence we miss the enti- we miss the heart of God in such this immense way, you know? Like yeah. if you, if God is calling you to step out of the way, just also remember like I told the young like young people like if God is telling you to preach, just remember the only person that you stand in front of at the end of your days is God himself. So, if you are somebody who, where you are not stepping out of the way to raise up and to move behind the scenes, so you can raise other people up, just remember: at the end of your days, you will stand before God, and He would know why. Yeah. So, Plus,
0: if you don't get out of the way, sometimes you're missing out on a greater opportunity to reach more people. Yeah. Um, you could be, you know, you could be pastoring a church of a hundred people. But God's like, I need you to move, because in five years' time, you're going to be evangelizing to thousands overseas. Yeah,
1: and I just think that our, like, even the idea, like, I am continually discovering my spiritual gifts. I don't feel like it's a one-and-done experience. Like, I'm gifted in preaching forever. It might be like, as I get older, I'm gifted in these other things maybe god's invitation and call for us to step out of the way is really an invitation to go discover more of who we are in him right to that's disco-
0: exactly what it is exactly. yeah and
1: so we are not just robbing the generations when we refuse to obey we are robbing ourselves mm. and every single day is an opportunity for us to know more of who god is but it is our disobedience Um, that will rob us of opportunities. Like, I think we give the devil too much credit. The devil robbed me of this. No, he didn't. You robbed yourself of it. You allowed him to use you. You chose that in disobedience. Don't give the devil more credit than he deserves. He didn't rob an opportunity from you. Your sin did. (laughs) And we need to get right when that happens.
0: Right. Well, Ann, unfortunately, we have so much. We still have so much to talk about, but I know <laughs> the, the beauty of this podcasting is we can have part two, three, fours, and fives oh, yeah. if needed. Um, but yeah, so I'm gonna cut it off here, unfortunately, and I'm gonna get this out today for anyone um, excited to listen and uh, you want to go share it because I think this episode specifically will be very impactful for people to hear. It's not. As much of a theology discussion it is as it is just an encouragement for someone that might be, you know, in a pit and they're like, "What do I do next?" Mm-hmm. or "How do I take that next step?" So,
1: Absolutely. Anna, I want to thank
0: you for coming on. Um,
1: thank you for having me. It yeah, was so fun.
0: <laughs> I look forward to doing it again if you're up for it.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. It could be a whole series.
0: <laughs> yeah. Why not? I have. I mean, the nice thing about podcasting, you can do unlimited episodes all the time. So. <laughs> all right. All right on I'm going to go ahead and cut this off but thank you awesome. for joining and thank you guys for listening to episode 9 of Theologize and we look forward to having on again next time.